Welcome to the Scale with Tech in AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Cecilio Mills from Creative Adaptive Thinking. Cecilio, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. My pleasure. So can you kick us off? Give us a, a brief overview of creative adaptive thinking and what you're doing for your clients and, and what it's all about. Sure, sure. Creative adaptive thinking. We're a performance improvement firm. We specialize in areas of product and project management, and we help organizations and their vendors improve by offering office hours so that we can meet you where you're at. We can provide you with training. Uh, we do a ton of formal, either certification or regular training. We can uh, come in and consult for your organization. And uh, when that's not enough, then we'll just send one of our ninjas and you'll have one of our resources on site, either manage that project or bring that product to market for you. Okay, uh, interesting. So if I understand correctly, you help, you assist businesses execute their projects. Yep, yep. Essentially. The, the idea is we take the motion picture that's in most people's heads then we make it into a static picture that's on the wall. And then we scope it out, controversial, but like the scope on the gun, there's a circle on that. And how large or how small that circle is just depends on how much money, how much time you have. And then we help you to keep that circle from either growing or moving from the upper left, upper right. And sometimes that may be what it needs to do. Maybe it is change driven, but we help you figure that out and ultimately get you to realize your vision. It's like you watch a movie. And you see that movie poster has to tell you in that one vision what the movie's about, right? And that's the idea. We help you to, to, to do that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And organizations, if they're going to attempt a large project, it's not something they do all the time. This is like a large, I'm guessing a large project that they're not normally doing. It's usually an internal project and they don't really have the staff or the skill set to do it. So they'll bring you into a system at some level, whether it be just planning and oversight or whether it be assistance with the whole implementation. No, man, spoken like someone who might have been a project manager at one point, pretty good. I didn't, and the size of organization matters, right? If it's a, let's say a solopreneur that maybe has 10 contractors that are working with them, that's a much different engagement than, let's say, I guess I can say the, the largest healthcare provider in the US, we work with them. And that's a very different level of engagement. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing because people are people. So it's helping them bring their plans to life and then execute on them. Yeah, that's definitely different. And so that's one of my follow-up questions is uh, understanding like what you guys do and, and, and who you work with. So do you have any particular niches that you stay in or verticals or, and then also like company sizes? Yeah, it's interesting. I what well, the, the two, there's two key aspects of the business, right? I mentioned consulting, training. We have hold office hours and we can actually send you resources. In the training side, there really isn't a, there is not a niche that we have. Project managers will come from utilities, will come from banks, will come from software development companies. So any industry that has project managers, they need certifications we teach those certs that they're after. In that sense, you can say some of the high percentage industries would come from healthcare, obviously tech companies. I mentioned banks, any fintech. We get a lot of government agencies. So think like Department of Water, the energy or electric PG&E out here. Those are the types of, of, of folks we get in a ton from healthcare. On the consulting side, our growth was, our growth began from the companies that I worked at as a W-2 employee in the past, and then it branched out from there. So it started in cybersecurity, 
And then we went to healthcare. We've worked with nonprofit. With we've worked with a, a local county government here in in the Bay Area. And at this point, it, there there hasn't been a niche. Looking for one, but there hasn't been one. It's just been like we. I guess we're fortunate enough that we've been able to、uh, choose the role that we're looking for. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That has not being in a niche held you back at all from scaling. Do you think, or it sounds like from your tone that it that it's been、uh, pretty smooth sailing. That it's just worked out. No, far from okay. Far from <laughs> no, do tell. <laughs>、uh, I will say, all right. The scaling aspect can happen on our training side because I can hire more trainers, and and so the smoothness is the smoothness happened in my ability as as the leader of the company to release me. I guess that's the the big aspect that that you learn is to let go and and trust the people. I realize I can't clone myself as a trainer. There's not going to be many other people who've worked in multiple industries that also have a teaching background, but then work in the industry. So now, when you're training, like you can do both. Like I used to have this mantra: many people have trained, but they don't know how to teach. There's many great teachers, but they've never managed projects or products professionally. I do both.、Yeah. If I'm going to say that, then I've got to go find other people who are also like that.、Mm-hmm. And because you're, that's not necessarily the case. We've pivoted away from that being our differentiator, and we've built a system that we can now train others on to to deploy that system. That is, I guess you would say, not that that is a、uh, uh, scalable. On the consulting side, yeah, that there's been a huge challenge to that because it's when you have an engagement, let's say with your company, and let's say you guys decide that you want to open an office, you want a brick and mortar podcast studio. That requires that project manager to be with you for the duration of that project. So can, you can't really scale that unless we can find more Js in the same industry, right? So you're absolutely right. Without niching down, scaling is 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 not an option for us right now. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I faced the same thing over the years too. The same story because I've worked in and become very skilled in a number of areas that all fit together, and that's what makes up Tech Fusion Systems. And so, in order to scale a little bit of Structure and systems and compartmentalization, in in skill sets and teams has to be done because, like you said, hiring someone like you is very difficult. First of all, they're very difficult to find, right? Very difficult to find. Second of all, they're very difficult to afford, and so、right. that is is a very、sure. difficult thing. So it's it really comes down to. Yes, and every business type has different scaling challenges. But like in any sort of the like custom consulting, custom training sort of field, that's really the bottleneck. And so really, it's about systems and and packages and compartmentalizations and verticals and niching. Yes. With that being said, do you have any thoughts or plans about that moving forward? It's a great question. I our our biggest change was to you talk about technology was to get on the Zoho One platform.、Um, We use Zoho all the time. That's that's all funny. All the time.、Yeah. Okay, then there it goes. It was like bookings replaced Calendly. Zoho Books replaced、uh, QuickBooks for us. Meetings didn't replace Zoom. I don't know that it's mature enough yet. I, I still use a Zoom account, but for the most part, the CRM, everything, right? We were using Active Campaign. Okay, now we can use the Zoho Marketing, and down to right now, our we are porting over our LMS from. We currently have a WordPress site with、uh, Learn Dash as the LMS plugin. It's pretty cool, but we're moving to Trainer Central, which is a Zoho product, and you know, pretty cool. They can do more live things. They have more of a a community feature to engage. 
the folks the way that I like to do as I'm, I'm an educator first. So it's always about how do I leave you in a better place than when I met you, right? Forget us doing a job for you. Along the way, us doing a job for you, we're going to teach you something too. And so that's really the differentiator of our organization. And Zoho has helped us to really bring all that in. I would be curious to know from you, because when we talk about scaling, one of the hardest things for us to, one of the reasons that scaling is difficult becomes cash flow. We work with companies that may have a net 90 and they still don't pay till say the 97th day. Wow. So, that's insane. You know, is that mostly prevalent in the government sector or healthcare or both? I'd say both. I'd say both. The government's actually a little better. They'll, at least with the state of California, they're pretty consistent in that there's a little bit of upfront money that they give you. And then as you meet your deliverables, payments are released within a week time. But that deliverable schedule, you still need to negotiate that. Once you win the bid, you can negotiate that deliverable schedule. Mm -hmm. With larger healthcare clients, there's many of the players out there. Net 60, net 90 is quite common. And still, net 60, they're not paying to the 65th, 67th day. Yeah, and that's what, what, what insane. Is if we're, on our end, as consumers, if we didn't pay to the 67th day, they're going to try to hit us with some sort of interest rate, right? You yeah. Know. Yeah, that's a long time. From a very basic like business finance perspective, if I have to wait that long for my money, I better have a nice payday from it. Oh, yeah, you're working with... Because you're basically loaning them money. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, you're loaning them money. And so you deserve to be compensated because of that. So I would price it accordingly if you have the demand to, to do that. But yeah, that's tough. It's definitely, it's interesting. Like every industry, like I said, they have their issues and their problems to, to deal with. And so that's one that you have in some of those sectors. Yeah. That's all I can say about that. And you can always target, you can always target things differently too. So you can you know, target those guys and price it accordingly. Right. And then you can also price the people who pay faster, a little bit more aggressively because yeah. you don't want to have to take cash out of pocket to get a job unless you have to. So I guess if you had a little bit of a balance to where you can change the demand for your services from different sectors, right? One being the late payers, but you're going to price it accordingly. And then the people who pay in a reasonable time frame price that a little bit more aggressively to try to maybe balance that out. But right. of course that takes a lot of planning and the right kind of marketing and messaging and filling your pipeline the right way. But that's just. Yeah, it can work. It works for us with the training, say for an individual, they pay up front and mm -hmm. they may not take the class today. It's September 29th. We have a class scheduled, let's say December 16th. There's people who've purchased that class and they've already paid, mm -hmm. so, but that's a much lower ticket item, right? Like that, that item's $24.99. It's a little bit easier for people to part ways with that, yeah. but you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about it that from that standpoint, I think we've just been lucky enough. Some of it's been luck, right? It's not like when I started this thing, we designed it to be this way. It fell in, but, but you're absolutely right. It does that though. Like I know a lot because I'm connected with a lot of people in the, the coaching and the teaching and the, in the consulting space, I know a lot of companies that have completely pivoted and changed their business model completely because they fell into a scenario like that, where they're like, we have these multiple pieces of our business doing different things. And this one right here is like the golden eggs and it's way better than everything else. And so they get to a point to where their sophistication level and their partnerships with other firms that can help them do this, they go, why don't we just do this one thing and forget everything else? 
And so if you really want to scale, that's the same story over and over again with all of these companies that I, I could mention uh, off camera who have done exactly that in order to not only to scale, but in order to increase their profit margins dramatically. Because if you're only doing one thing for one type of customer, you get really good at it. You don't have to worry about all that other stuff, but obviously that doesn't happen overnight. It's a quite a, it's a project that needs to be planned and rolled out, which you guys absolutely could do because <laughs> that's your thing. So that's our thing. That's what we do. Yeah. And I, I will say I've had a, I probably had an, I don't want to say easier time. It's always tough. I've been, I've had more tools to deal with the challenges as a project manager coming in, like just out the gate. I re and I recognize that. And even as you start to join mastermind groups and other folks, and they're always like, we need what you have. And that's what actually allowed us to pivot because we only worked with large enterprises prior. So now we've learned how to work with the solopreneur that has 10 contractors instead of the large company that has 10,000 employees. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. It's funny. I've talked to, I've had a couple of people on the show that have given me a similar story that um, they've crossed over, they've scaled not vertically, but horizontally out into different markets and that it's really working well for them. So it's, you got to find your thing, right? You like, you got to find what works best for you and the whole value chain, right? Like the value. And it's funny, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this earlier, you're talking about, you want to leave your clients with knowledge that they didn't have before. You want to leave them better off than before. And it's funny because believe it or not, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of big businesses, I think, that are publicly traded, only interested in stock prices, they don't think all that much about value to the customer. And so you, right out of the gate, you're talking about how you want to deliver a huge amount of value to your customers as well as getting the word from them. And I think that's really important, especially when you're a small business. I think it's a lot more important. I think a lot of big companies can get away with a little bit less value because they have such a presence and they have such a huge marketing budget and they can just move a little bit further away from that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I also know what's our bread and butter in terms of referral. Yeah. You, 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 let's say you, you give a man fish, feed him for a night, teach him to fish, you feed him forever. We found if you teach a man to fish, other people are like, how do you fish? Oh, this person taught me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. That's good. Yeah. No, it's really very important. Yeah. And well, social media and LinkedIn and all these platforms, like people check up, people ask people like, Hey, do you know these guys? Are they any good? Yeah. Like people talk when you want to make sure that talk is positive. Yeah. And I feel good taking someone's money if I've delivered a lot of value to them. But if I don't feel like I delivered enough value, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. And I don't want that kind of a transaction. I like it when, when everybody wins. Yes, that's it. That's the only, it's not the only way or else the world would be really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's if you want to sleep well at night. Yeah, that's interesting. So back us up a little bit. So how, how did you get into this? You used to be a boxer, right? Oh man, yeah, that's uh, many moons ago. Although I, I was telling my wife I, I, I might want to compete again. I got into, how did I get into what, project management? Just um, the, the, the whole, I, I fell into it actually. So in a, in a previous life before boxing, I was chasing uh, professional baseball. I actually um, played a uh, little minor league baseball, played in college, uh, played in high school. So that was my thing. And while I was doing that, I, I used to substitute teach. 
at the schools. And so that's where my background in education came in when I was, when it's pretty apparent, it was like, well, you can keep riding the bus or, and you're not going to go to the show, CJ, like, get a real job. The director there said, hey, we know you have a business degree, a background in sports. Why don't you run the Special Olympics program? And that was my introduction to project management. Years later, when I rolled into, when I decided to step out on my own, then it was just a natural blend. I already had the experience and then I had the, I also had the experience as an educator. So it just made sense. It does make sense. It's funny because sometimes I see people in professions or like trying to do a startup or trying to start a business that they, they don't really come from. They don't really know it. I'm sure you notice that. I'm sad because I know their chances of success are probably extremely low, but then when you meet people like yourself, it's like, you were meant to do this, weren't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, I, but I want to jump back to that though. Cause there was this, I saw this clip on Steve Harvey years ago and you talk about take a leap. Like you got to take a leap of faith and throw yourself in. I, I feel like there's some people who that's what they're doing. I know, I don't know that I necessarily took a leap of faith. I had a skill set in two areas that I know I was really good at. And I parlayed that into an opportunity. And then I left the W2 world where I had everything set up. So I, didn't have, I set myself up. Well, to that, you say what? I didn't take a leap. How do you feel about that? Your question is, do I think that you took a leap? I know I didn't. Yeah. So my question is, in my opinion, so maybe it's a two-part question. Do, do you feel that that's, does that constitute a leap? The idea of setting yourself up. And then what do you say about others who actually maybe the bigger risk where you said they're more likely to fail? Is there something to be said about taking that leap, that type of leap? Well, I'm going to parallel this to what I think is a very similar discussion, and that's risk. Okay. Right? Taking that leap is a risk, right? Now, is it a calculated risk or not? And okay. I think if a person comes from a place where they've never done coaching, they've never done teaching, they don't know much about the thing that they're going to coach or teach on, that is a uncalculated risk. And that is an enormous amount of risk with a very high chance of failure. That's a lot different than a bit of a calculated risk. It's always a risk, right? There's always risk in everything. So you got to jump at some point, but I think it should be somewhat calculated. Okay. That's, I li you know what? I like that explanation. Thank you for that. that it's a bit of a nerdy engineer's explanation, but what do you expect? <laughs> I get it. I was like, I decided to jump into the pool rather than into the ocean. Yeah. That's you. Yeah, the pool's a safer bet. Even if I can't swim, there was a lot of people around. Somebody might save me. Yeah, but sometimes you don't know. I think like coming up like myself, you like, I've done that too. I've taken risks that I shouldn't have taken. I've taken risks that on, yeah. hindsight, on hindsight were horrible, uncalculated risks that did not work out. But at the time, I didn't realize how risky and uncalculated it really was because I was very young, right? And so I think that's something you also learn with experience. Dare but, you expand? Can you expand on that? How much can you go into that? <laughs> I think even if you're young and inexperienced in entrepreneurship or taking risks or doing different things, there's still a bit of a, pr a practical place you could come from. Like, how much do I know about this thing that I'm going to go and do? Do I need yeah. to spend a few months entrenching myself into this thing and really understanding it before I make this jump. Who packed my parachute? Is it someone that I know and trust? Or did I just pick the one off the top of the pile? I think that 
just a little bit of common sense goes a long way because beliefs can be a good thing, but they can also be dangerous. I think people yeah. can trick themselves into, I, I, they want it so bad. I believe it will be good. I'll, I'll make it, it'll go well. I just know it. And I think that's a good thing. It's a powerful thing, but it can be dangerous too. So I think we have to use our faith and our beliefs, but we also have to use logic and we have to use both all the time together, never just one of them. Yeah. Said, said. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, no. Because when I think about it, that's, I'm biased because I think that's how I proceeded. And maybe because I'm like, be like ourselves, since it's what I did, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You had a skill set and you leveraged it and you've gotten better at it since. And so that was probably... It's easy to look back and say it was a good idea, but I think even if we were back then and we were buddies and we we're talking about it, and you said that to me, I'd say, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I guess there still was some somewhat of a risk at the time, right? I did this when I think our son wasn't even a year old yet. So I was like, I'm going to quit my job and start this thing and take care of the family. Like, it'll work out. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out somehow. Yeah. Was it tough when you started? Did you have a uh, tough times getting started or was it pretty smooth or? No, I, like I said, I stacked a deck. I had, I started my entity. Okay. So I started my company in 2011, but I didn't incorporate until 2015. And that's the year I, I left the, the W2 world. And while, when I was leaving, I had a contract waiting for me. So there's, I will say it was smooth. Like that first- You ran this like a project. You literally, like yeah. I can just envision the whiteboard with the timeline and the milestones on it. Get contract waiting for me, quit job. <laughs> you know? I had it all, all the way down to the two week vacation in between. Oh and my God. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, that's, and that's the thing is my kids now to this day, like they already, they know what a Kanban board is. Yeah. You know? Doing <laughs> progress done, right? Too many stuff in progress. They, they, it's a, it, it is a good tale of, of what you mentioned earlier, the calculated risk. Yeah. It, it did, did it, so did it all go as planned? No, I planned to consult in the first year, the first, let's say October of 2015 until September when I started the next, the big cybersecurity contract, I, I, I exclusively taught project management courses, um, some form of waterfall for the PMP, Agile, Six Sigma, some form of that. And that can be, it's Groundhog Day. It's the same class, it's 35 hour class and it's a week's time. And you teach that same class again and again. Now, along the way, you meet a lot of people and you learn a lot from their environment, but it gets rough after the 30th week of teaching the same because I'm a teacher first, I'm an educator first. So like I want everybody to become the best project managers in the world, but you don't learn how to become a project manager in those courses. You learn how to pass the exam. So if I make you the best project manager and you go and fail the exam, you're going to hate my guts. So there, it got rough because of that, because now I had this internal conflict of, and that was the first time I recognized that I couldn't teach for money because that was the internal conflict. It was like, I have to teach this thing, but I want to teach them this. This is what they really need but they want this. Okay. Yeah. I had, so that, that, that part was rough. And then the other rough parts was, as I mentioned, the growing pains of not truly knowing what net 60 met on the first time. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, you guys are going to pay me for the net 60 days. It's no, it's not 60 days, 67 days. 
in the beginning, you don't realize that just relax, that it's coming. And you spend seven days stressing yourself out. I probably lost three years of my life collectively over just stressing out. Jeez. Yeah. That's that. I remember those days for sure. How am I going to make payroll? (laughs) Yeah. I remember those days. Oh boy. Yeah. That's interesting. The conflict that you mentioned sometimes, and I have some certifications, but I haven't bothered getting a lot of certifications that I could have just because I'd rather spend my time getting results for clients. Like the certifications can be good, but they're not really that meaningful to me. It's different. Like you said, like passing the exam is different from getting results in the real world, in the field. It's, it's, it's not the same thing at all. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting conflict. I, I see a lot of people focusing on the certs, which are perfectly fine if you have the other part too. But if you had to pick just one, I'd, I'd rather just hire someone who can get me results. I don't care what kind of piece of papers you have at all. Elon Musk famously said, I don't give a crap what college you went to. He said yeah, like that it. about hiring people or something. Yeah. <laughs> All it really proves is that you went four years. In my opinion, is that I, I went and I completed something over a course of time. But much of the, especially the undergraduate. And you know, what's, you know what's crazy about college? It's supposed to be what we want to learn, but it's not. It's no, yeah, you want to learn this subject. You want to learn business. You want to learn chemistry. Okay, get in line because your first two years, all of you are going to learn the same undergraduate course. Mm-hmm. And so college is a cold game, man. That's yeah. I uh, I feel the same way about it. I am I am very negative about formal education in general. Not all of it's bad, but most of it is. And it's one of the reasons why we like to focus on the high ticket coaches, the course creators, the educators, the speakers, and the consultants out there because these are people. And I believe this the online education is supposed to reach a thirty five billion dollar a year gross revenue in like a year from now the growth is tremendous because there's this enormous demand from people and this need to learn from experts who actually know how to do the thing that they want to get good at doing i went to i have a master's degree in technology entrepreneurship and no disrespect to the professors but every single one of them was a failed entrepreneur now i won't say i didn't learn anything But who do you want to learn from? A failed entrepreneur or a successful one? (laughs) That's a great point. point. It's just the truth. I'm just stating facts. And so I I love the online education world. I think it's one of the best things to happen in a very long time as far as big picture trends. And I think formal education is gonna, they're already hurting a lot and they're staying afloat by government subsidies and other things and not actual cash flow, which is a whole mess that I don't even want to get into. But yeah, there's a lot of amazing people out there who are experts in their field teaching other people how to be experts in it too. And I think that's the best way to learn. So now the question is, how can we take that and give it to the people that are coming behind us? How do we give that to the youth? I know that's not our job. That's not what we're talking about here, but that's, that's the mindset that I have when I say that I, I want to leave all my clients a little bit better than how, how I found them. It's that same idea. I, guess. Well, I think I, we're already doing that. And you're already doing that with your courses. I think my master's degree was like $70,000. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I can spend $10,000 and I can get a course from a vetted entrepreneur, a successful online entrepreneur who's made tens of millions of dollars who is an expert in marketing and sales and packaging and education, the whole nine yards. And I can spend $10,000 or 
or something like that, or $5,000 in some cases. And I can buy his course and get coached by him and he'll teach me everything he knows. Why would I want to go to college and spend $70,000? I could buy 10 courses from experts. I could buy your course. I could buy a bunch of other courses. So anyone who's in the online education, teaching, coaching, consulting space, who's doing this, we're packaging things into, into courses so that it's more affordable and more accessible to people. We're helping more people with that business model versus the old stale brick and mortar business model, which is not very effective. So we're already doing that. I think yeah, we just right. need to do so, more of it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. Yeah, I think I think the market's wide open for more more courses. There's a lot of them out there. I, I read a, a blog the other day. Someone was complaining about all these gurus selling courses. And I'm like, we need more of it. We need more of them. We need more competition. We need more variety in courses. We need more subject matter, more skill sets. We need more of it. We do. I think and a lot. The, and the market wants it too. So it's not knowing how to vet. I think those, I'm going to make an assumption and say those who are frustrated by the amount of gurus probably need a little help in, in, in a system to vet the gurus out there. Yeah. It's not pretty easy to know who, who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. And of course, there are some who are selling courses that probably shouldn't, but that's the way the world's always been. Like you have to, and I don't think most people are good at this at all, which is vetting any information. If it's a web page, if it's a Google search, if it's something a person tells you, you need a system of some kind that is fairly successful at vetting that information as being right. accurate or not accurate. And if you don't have that system, you are lost. You know what? Can I write that down? Can yeah, because I've been thinking about that a lot because that's why marketing is such a mess. If you look at marketing and you said this yourself too, you were selling to people what they wanted, not what they needed because that's what they wanted. And you had that conflict. Part of that problem is because of the lack of understanding or education by the consumers of what they actually needed. Right. right. Like that, like information is a problem. Like we're living in a paradigm where we have access to more information than ever before in history, as far as we know, yet most of it is nonsense. And most of it is regurgitated and copied one blog from another blog with two words changed. And so I think the problem we have now is what you said. We need a way, people need a way to be taught how to vet information. I learned it because I had to just being engulfed in information. You have to be able to right. do that somehow. Otherwise yeah. you're not going to get anywhere. If I'm going to go and research a new AI tool to help you sell more courses, I need a vetting process. So I have to start with all the tools available. I need to come up with a criteria of what we need to actually make it work and get results. Then you need to narrow it down. And then I need to do some testing That's and then that. I have to present to you here's the four really good options. Here's the pros and cons between each one. Here's the one that I think you should use. Here's why. That's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think people, a lot of people don't have something like that. And that's sorely needed. That is, that is, I'm already, I'm, that's I'm, an idea. That's a one, that's a $1 million a month course that I'm giving away this idea on this podcast publicly for some guru to take and, and run with it before I do. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm already, I'm, like I said, I'm sitting here thinking that this is the next course. That, why don't we collaborate on this? All right, let's do it. Me and you are going to build this course. 
we got to we need to create a course on on creating a, a a system of vetting that can help you anywhere from your next course to hiring your next marketer. I don't know. I just, yeah. just talking about. Yeah, well, awesome. And yeah, we'll brainstorm. Yeah, you you are gonna run the project clearly. <laughs> You're the project manager. That's all good. <laughs> and I always say this: find me a project manager who says I built that, and I'll show you a bad project manager. Because all I can do is gather all of the best resources and keep them organized. I'm sure you're going to produce some great results for us. Too, yeah, right? you do that because I am not good at that part. I'm good at I'm good at the building. That's that's right. my thing. <laughs> I, I I actually think well, let's maybe not into that that a little bit, but uh, into into a little bit of what you guys do because I am curious in in terms of building a course, and I am actually thinking about that. Right, like the one I was told by someone that I prop what I what my superpower is is being able to just share knowledge and teach. If you could teach others how to teach, that would be probably your golden ticket. So that's something that's wow. been brewing. Teach back. other people how to teach. So I, that's a, that's another, oh my goodness. That's such yeah. a, a great it's thread. Cool, you just right? broke this thread off, which goes along the a similar conversation we just had. So this is another problem that people have. Okay, let's take Elon Musk as a case study. Everyone says, oh, he's a genius. Elon Musk is a genius. And I'm going to say, no, he's not. He's a really smart guy, sure. Yeah. But that's not what makes him unique. What makes him unique is his ability to teach himself anything new that he wants to learn. I would say that's true. Elon Musk is a self-teacher. Self he can learn on his own. And most people don't learn that either. I had to learn that because I left college and I was you know, broken and I went bankrupt and I went, that wasn't enough. I need more stuff. And I had to learn how to learn very quickly too. So that's another thing. People can't vet their information. How to, learn, how to learn on your own. Learn how to learn. There's a guy, Josh Kaufman, though, who, who has a good one. He, he has a, a book called the, 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 the Something MBA. I think I might have seen something like that out there. MBA, yeah. And he talks about here's all the stuff that he learned in all these books and why this his one book is enough for you as an MBA. But he had a follow-up book. And it was called Learn Anything in, in 20 Hours. Oh, I did I did see that. I never looked into it. But yeah, I do remember seeing that now that you mention it. Yeah. And I thought that was good. But I think there's just another element because there's a lot of, you just mentioned a lot of, yeah, I'm, now my brain is cooking right now because you, you <laughs> all these entrepreneurs who have great things to do. And I never even thought of it that way as when you juxtapose that to the traditional education system. But I heavily agree with it. And I, the problem that I've seen is just that a lot of them, they haven't been taught how to teach. And it goes back to that statement I made earlier. Many great project managers, but they don't know how to teach. Many so, teachers, they've never met. So we have three, three very big problems that are all part of the same theme. Don't know how to learn. Don't know how to teach. Don't know how to vet information. Okay. And if you can teach someone those three things, that person will be in control of their life forever. That's like the, to me, that's the foundation of a pyramid right there. You can build anything on top of that. But if you don't have that strong foundation of, of knowledge and information and, and, and basic skill set to exchange information, because that's really what that does is it, it empowers you to trade valuable information with other people who have value, valuable information. If you have those three skills, that's just the way I, I see it. That sets you up to do anything, really. And I think that's what makes Elon Musk very unique is he has those three skills and he does them extremely well you know what you're right 
You're all right. He, he, and I'm thinking about just the stories of Twitter. Where are you located, Jay? You're in Cincinnati is what you said, right? Yeah, I'm in Cincinnati and... I'm in, the, I'm in the Bay Area. Um, My office is in Oakland. I'm living in a little town outside of it. And so I come into contact and the tech world is really small. I've come into contact with uh, several people who, who currently work at Twitter. And, and you're a tech guy too. You were a tech guy too. He didn't even get into that. You're an IT guy like me too. Like, oh my, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't touch that part yet. So I, I the community's small. So I, I have a couple people that, and I think one of them, are, our kids go to the same school. I don't, but I, through another family friend, we see this guy. But anyways, the stories that, I, that I'm hearing about Elon and about what's going on there, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think you're right because the, the betting, the teaching others, and I don't necessarily say how to teach, but the teaching others his methodology so that they can go deploy it throughout the organization, that happens a lot. And, and I don't know anything about Elon other than what we've seen or what we can read, but I think you're absolutely right. The man knows how to learn on his own. Yeah. His story, I know his story of SpaceX, he couldn't hire good rocket engineers because none of them wanted to soil their name on a rocky startup. Right. And you don't want to hire the desperate ones looking for work either because right. they're no good. So he, he had to teach himself rocket engineering. And he was doing this interview and, this, okay. and the, the interviewer was like, so you taught yourself how to be a rocket engineer. He's like, yeah. You know, Elon, he's, yeah, he's, he's a like, funny personality. He's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's, how did you do that? And he's, I read a lot of books. <laughs> that's what he said. But he went on to describe, obviously it was a lot more than that, but that's a good place to start. But yeah, he taught himself to be a rocket engineer. He was, he was a developer. So that's pretty interesting, interesting right? Uh, I'm always fascinated by folks like that. And now that's probably the next, one of the next books I need to go seek out will be a book on him and learn a little bit more. I don't know much about him either, besides his PayPal startup and all that stuff. The PayPal mafia, that's another interesting one. <laughs> he doesn't own it anymore. Yeah, that was interesting. My, there is... No, that will, we'll say that has to be off air. I'm getting ready to start saying company names. Can't say company names like that, but gotcha. PayPal is to eBay and we all know VBRO, the, their, uh, the place, the Airbnb competitor, go okay. bookers, vacation stays, VBRO, maybe VRBO. I don't know. One of the two. Okay. No, I'm not even familiar with it, but okay. Beyond, yeah, maybe it's VRBO. And uh, it's funny because they, they were around way before Airbnb and now they're, they're having to fight their way up. Airbnb got so big. But their payment arm was the company that I worked with to, as far as a, a PCI level one, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's the, the chip in your card on the consumer end, the little chip where it has to physically be there. You can't have an agent somewhere else typing in a number, but on the back end for any financial institution, it means things like data loss prevention or full disk encryption. So if, if an employee types in the nine digit number and sends an email, that email then just gets lost in the server and it's hanging in there. Because, well, nine digit could be a social security number. So now we need to review that, cross check it before we let it out. And the idea is even having these tools that don't bother the end user, don't necessarily always lock them out and do some of these things. I bring that up just to say in that experience was one where you, I really figured out early on in the consulting realm that you actually have to teach people. So you have to teach people how to act, teach people how to work, teach people how to be sometimes. And it was in that, it was in that experience, man, of, of taking an organization that was very loose, going to an organization that's very tight, talk about seeing growth and change in people. And when you see the good, the bad, the ugly, people get very passionate when you yeah. start with how they work on a daily basis. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And, and it's funny because I took that from the 
the IT consulting world too. Like for example, like if you roll out a new, like a new IT system or a new CRM for a company or something like that, that people can easily grasp. Well, it, it doesn't really do any good if the people don't a know how to use it and two want to use it and three do use it <laughs> right like it and yeah you, you see the human element does fall short sometimes or or maybe the human element is done right and the tech side isn't done right but you have to have both parts yeah that's an interesting interesting and good point yeah you learn a lot from the consulting world don't you because there's so many different components of it is that the tech side the planning side the project management side the the human side the so many customizations that you have to account for with different personalities and skill sets and job roles and different niches and, and different verticals and different company products and services and different areas. So yeah, it really is a kind of an ocean of knowledge you almost have to swallow, isn't it? It is. I will say that a funny thing is always hearing from the clients, oh my gosh, we learned so much. Thank you. And I always tell, they, I, they never believe me, but I tell them, believe it or not, I learned more from you guys than you learned from me. I already know the stuff that I'm giving you. I already know it. I already know it, right? Now you just gave me something else. And then what that usually does is it, it, is it enhances how I'm going to teach the next person. Now I learned every person, every client is better because of the previous client. It's mm -hmm. kind of weird. It's a weird saying that we have though. Each client makes us better for the next one. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's cool. That makes, that makes sense. So tell us real quick, how do people, what types of, of clients would you like to work with and, and what types of things are you looking to do and how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? And how do they start an engagement with you or how do they get more information about that? Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. We actually want to start working with more small businesses. It's what we like. We work with the large clients so that we can work with the smaller clients. That's really how that goes. I like um, the saying. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You do what you have to do. You do what you want to do. And the fact of the matter is, is the smaller clients cannot afford what the larger clients can, right? So now how do we, and we're not, and they don't need it. They don't need the, there's 49 processes in project management for a project, mm -hmm. right? But that's if you're building a rocket ship. Most of us aren't building a rocket ship. So we only need maybe 10 to 12 processes. So that's the idea is, is now that it took a few years to figure out what that looks like, that's what we want to work with. Small, medium businesses, just throw some numbers out there, what that looks like. It's anywhere from 50K to 5 million is where we're at, right? Once you get above in that 5 to 50 million is really in that medium-sized business, we'll work with those, but that starts getting a little more corporate. If you're under 5 million, if you've got at least 50K in revenue, we can likely help you. If you're under 5 million, then we can help you on this side of the house, what I'm talking about now. The number of employees is irrelevant because it, we're going to help the organization. It, it, the number of employees is not right. what we're going to do. And then I don't know that we have a specific industry. The main, the, I guess the main problems that we can help you solve will be a, if you have a product, but you haven't brought it to market yet, you don't know how to bring that, or you're struggling to bring that product to market. We have a bona fide system that will help you get that out there. If you have something new in your business that you're trying to accomplish that's outside of your typical operating procedures. That's a project, right? And you need help with that, whether it's just coming up with a plan, maybe it's office hours to bounce ideas off of what you've got going or someone to review your plan and, and give you some feedback. That's the office hours component. So we're looking for folks who may need uh, some help with that. And the other part is what we call business process design. So if you are either scaling or you're getting ready to sell your business, you're thinking about it, 
or you're just at a point where you're like, a lot of things are happening, but I'm not quite sure. And I have no standard operating procedures. I have no flow. If I were to be gone, my business wouldn't work. Yeah, we can come in and help you pretty much take everything that's out your head, out of all your employees' head, and then create all of the assets that you would need to have your business thrive and and survive and be able to sell it. That's really a big deal. And uh, you brought up uh, what your exit plan is, or if you're looking to sell at some point, you have to have that stuff in place before you put it up for sale. You can't be like, oh, here's my business. I want to sell it and retire. Because if you're the one running your business, then it's not going to run when you leave. So you have to, like you said, you can help them put all those processes in place so it can run without the owner so that they can sell it and leave and do whatever they want to do. Yeah, that's a big deal. Interesting. Yeah, you guys, there's so many people out there that need your help for sure. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And that's the beauty about it is we get to help. You guys can all find this. Creative Adaptive Thinking, so long as URL, but there's no other Creative Adaptive Thinking. So you will find this either on LinkedIn or if you Google that, our, our website's creativeadaptivethinking.com. You can find me, Cecilio, ceciliomills.com or on LinkedIn as well. Any of the social sites, same thing. You can find me, either Cecilio Mills, at Cecilio Mills. Our YouTube channel is, I would say, would be a good place for a lot of folks to start. We have a lot of content on there that is available that, can, that helps, that's going to help you now. So those would be the the best outlets to either consume something that we have or reach out to us and and engage. Yeah, perfect. It's awesome. Check out his YouTube, a lot of uh, helpful stuff on there. And always uh, you guys can connect through me and I can hook you guys up too. Awesome. Boxing videos are on there if anybody's curious. Jay, that's really for you, Jay. I had somebody say, did you know that? I said, no, but I'm, I'm going to talk to my assistant. I guess she put those on there. Yes. There's a, there's a playlist and that has all of those fights on there. All right, cool. (laughs) Let me give a little love to myself, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's good. A little love to my gym, Pacific Green Sports in Oakland, PRS. All right. We'll give a little love to them. Thank you. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on, man. I think we gave people a lot to think about. You gave me a lot to think about too. And loved, loved having you on, man. Cecilio Mills, Creative Adaptive Thinking. Thank you so much, my man. Thank you.